0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Our passage today comes from Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, so that they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, "'Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is now far spent.' So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, "'Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures?' And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is God's word.
1: Amen. Thank you, Melissa. Of the encounters that we have been talking about, uh, this is, are we good? This is uh, a really sweet one uh, to, to read this story and to see how it plays out is, is really wonderful. But to really appreciate it and to understand where these two men were who were walking on this road, you and I as believers, to put ourselves in, in this, we need to sort of like forget that the resurrection has happened, all right? every easter when we come together to celebrate the resurrection it is always joyous for us because we are on the other side of it all right and these men were not actually on the other side of it the resurrection had occurred but for them they were not on the other side they were still in the midst of the confusion and the turmoil and the fear and all of these things that were going on around them and uh, jesus had indeed risen from the dead all right um, but he had not yet um, appeared before these men in particular and others as well are enough for the word to get around and for people to know that indeed uh, the, the, the Messiah was alive, that he, was, he had risen from the dead just as he said he would. And so here are these two men, and they've left Jerusalem. Everything's not all done. The dust is not all settled on this whole thing, but they have left. They're like, let's go back. Let's go home. Uh, and they're confused. They don't understand what is going on now or why things happened the way that they did. And so this Emmaus road walk, if you will, uh, is a difficult moment for these two men. And uh, they are talking back and forth with each other. And it seems like that probably that that Emmaus is where Cleopas and his friend lived um, because they obviously invite Jesus, unknowing that it is Jesus, into their They're home there to to spend the night with them. But as they're walking along here by themselves before Jesus sort of appears with them, um, it's obvious that they are rehearsing all of these events. They're going through all the things that happened and all the things that didn't happen. And they're talking about this with one another. And as they're walking alongside each of each other here, it's obvious that they are in a place of sadness. They're, they're, they're very sad because they have just seen this one that they gave themselves to follow and to be loyal to, to be literally crucified. I mean, a, an awful and horrific death, someone they loved, someone they, they cared about, they cherished, they looked up to, they allowed to lead them, they put all of their trust into this man. And now he has been uh, tortured. He has been beaten. He has been nailed to a cross. Uh, He's been taken down from that cross now, uh, pronounced dead. He is buried in a tomb, uh, and now the tomb has been opened. Uh, He is not there. Uh, They've sort of heard something about the message that the women brought back, but it's been construed to them, and so now they are not sure. There's some kind of vision about Jesus is is alive, but we haven't seen him, and he wasn't there, you know, and so they're, they're talking all of this out. And as they do, this is where Jesus just kind of appears to them, all right? So, so they've sort of finished their story here and are just kind of in this down kind of place. And in this sort of like slow, methodical kind of way, Jesus just kind of comes up to where they are somehow. And uh, he begins to talk to them, all right? Um, and as he talks to them it is obvious to them that he doesn't know what's going on from his questions. And so they are trying to help him to see that, do you understand this is, everybody knows about this. Everybody knows what has happened. Why would you not know? Why, why are you not informed here? Did, were you in a hole? Were you in a cave? Were you in a room locked up? What, you know, everyone should know about this. And they, they sort of go through it with him and they explain to him why that, that they are as, as they are. But the Bible says that he begins to speak to them. And he begins to speak to their despair. He begins to speak to their their pain. He begins to speak to their, their doubt and their fear and their questions here. And he does this by taking them back into the Old Testament and beginning with Moses. And he begins to lay out all that has been said about him throughout the Old Testament, pointing towards this moment in time. And as he brings this out, there seems to be something that is happening here that is, is very, very uh, anointed and very spiritual and very much God, and that is that their hearts are shifting. Their hearts are changing, if you will. And as they are changing, they invite this man in. And they say, look, we're, we're here. We're home. Why don't you turn in with us? Why don't you stay with us here, all right? And so... As, as they are, are, are companions together here, um, he sits with them. Now, it's obviously customary that a guest would pray over the food. And so, as Jesus sits down at the table with them to eat bread, Jesus takes the bread and, uh, and he blesses this. I, I had the wonderful, we've hosted uh, a rabbi in our home several times over the years from Israel. Um, and and Monty every meal uh, without asking or without me offering, it, he's a rabbi, you know, and he, he just he just grabs the bread. There's always bre- there has to be bread, you know, and he just grabs the bread and he just breaks it and he just prays over it and prays over our home and it's it's, it's just marvelous. Okay, Jesus takes the bread and he prays and as he breaks this bread something amazing happens. Their eyes are opened. And the Bible says they recognize him. They know that it's Jesus that is here with them. And they're just taken by this. But the strange thing is that as their eyes are opened, he disappears. He vanishes. He's gone at that point. But they know that they have seen Jesus There is no doubt. They understand from the the scriptures, from the truths that have been given to them that Jesus has taught them here. They understand and they realize that this is the Savior. He is alive just as he said he would. He has risen from the grave. And so they immediately look at each other and they decide, you know what? We can't stay here. I mean, Emmaus can't hold us. We have got to go back to Jerusalem. And they literally leave in the night, And so they start the seven-hour trek back to Jerusalem to be able in the morning to meet with the followers of Christ, the disciples, and tell them what has happened here. And so that's kind of the background of what the story is here today. But I believe that you and I need to see this through a, 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 a wonderful lens that helps us to understand Jesus today in our lives and how he wants to encounter us, and so this is a this is a, a an event, if you will. This is an encounter, but I think it's one of the most insightful encounters that we will look at. Uh, this Lord's appearance here after the resurrection with these two men. Luke's the only gospel that talks about this. He's the only one that has this story included in his gospel. It's a story, I think, that that reveals to us not only something about who we are, uh, but how Jesus opens eyes to see him. And 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 they see him not just as a a, a figure or it's not just about having knowledge or head knowledge about him but but they see him as he reveals himself and they begin to understand who he really is and also how to know him even more and I want to talk to you. I want to take you through that just a little bit, all right? So for you and I today, this is a literal journey, these two men walking on this road to Emmaus and Jesus coming along beside them. It's a very real journey uh, that they take. But I think it's a, a spiritual journey that should speak to you and I. And so I think you and I need to see this in such a way as we start to look at our own lives and how do we live with the Christ and how do we see Jesus, if we see him at all, what is it that we see and how does that affect our lives, our decision-making, our relationships, and, and all that kind of stuff. So just notice with me a few things here and let me just point them out to you. First of all, I think we learn from this that the intent of Jesus is that he is seeking us. You see, I think we sometimes... Really devalue the tremendous work of the cross simply because we don't respond to it properly or appropriately. We don't value what Jesus has done. Jesus has made a way for us to come to Him. And because He has made a way, because He has died on the cross and been resurrected. He has made a way for you and I to come to Him, to know Him, to be with Him. And so it is His intent to seek us. It is His intent to come after us, if you will, in some form or some fashion. And we see this here with these men. And although these disciples knew who Jesus was, isn't it amazing that they didn't recognize Him? They had no ability to understand that this was the Savior. They knew a lot about him. They could tell Jesus all these things that had happened, and they they knew a lot about him. They had been witnesses to all these things that had just happened in Jerusalem in this really short amount of time. And, And they had heard in their own ears, no doubt, on many occasions the things that Jesus testified about himself. Yet when he shows up here in this moment they had so visually seen his death. They had seen him taken down from that cross and pronounced dead. And that, that was so vivid. And, and that reality there got in the way of the greater reality and that was that he would rise from the dead. And so they were stuck in this place. They were stuck in this place of confusion. They were stuck in this place of despair. They were stuck in this place of questions and doubt. And maybe even some unbelief, some disappointment for sure. But the reality is that that is right where Jesus comes and meets you and I. Is in those kinds of places. He shows up. In those kinds of places, He comes in in some way, if you will, all right? And so even though they're not able to recognize Jesus when they meet Him here, He is real. He is alive. And he is making his cause, or he is sharing with them truth. He is teaching them the word. He's doing what he needs to do to open their eyes so that they can have understanding. It seems to you and I possibly that it would have just been easier if the Holy Spirit would have just opened their eyes immediately and they could see Jesus. And it would save everybody a lot of time and energy and effort here. It just, it just seems like, well, why, why would this happen this way? Because if we understand this passage correctly, it would appear that this is something that God prevented them from being able to do, was to see so clearly. Somehow it seems that God is not allowing them to see for whatever reason here, all right? They had been witnesses to all these things, but, but it seems that God did not want them to immediately recognize Jesus the original language conveys this sense of not only were they prevented from seeing him, but they were being prevented from seeing him. So it wasn't just a a, a little thing here. The, The Spirit is at work here and not letting them yet understand clearly or completely. And so Jesus begins to speak to him, and he gives this sort of gradual revelation of himself that allows them to to learn certain things about the Lord as He's taking them through these Old Testament passages. And so He's giving them revelation, but it's almost as though it's revelation upon revelation, like glory upon glory, like faith upon faith, like precept upon precept. He is building, if you will, this understanding in them so that when they do see Him, they will know Him. And they will know Him as they should know Him and as He should be known. And here's what I want you to understand from this. What we we gain from this is it is possible for you and I to have head knowledge of Jesus and never really know Him. Never really have relationship with Him. Never really understand what He has done for us and never really have a full grasp of who our God is simply because we don't have that understanding. That's that's one reason they didn't recognize him is because Jesus was being held back by the Spirit here or being welded by the Spirit here. I think another thing that helps them to not see him or perceive him is that all these events didn't happen the way they expected them to. And that hinders them from being able to believe and and, and to have faith and, and, and to see. They they had preconceived ideas. They, They thought they knew how it was going to go. They thought they knew how it should go. And even in the midst of all the teaching that Jesus did when they were there around him, they were still preconceiving things along the way. And so they had these ideas of what he had come to do and how he should do it. But when things didn't turn out the way they thought they should, it appears they dismissed the whole thing as sort of like a failure. And so there's misplaced hope and there's misplaced trust here. I want you to understand something. While God has a plan, we're not always privy to his plan. And sometimes even when we're privy to the plan, we don't have all the information. And even when we do, God's plan is still higher than any plan we could have. His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Therefore, His plans become higher than our plans. And so they, in some way, had dismissed things here because they did not see everything. Things did not turn out the way they expected. Things don't always turn out the way we expect them to. Um, Instead of, of giving up and admitting defeat, It would be wise of us to try to see things differently. It would be wise to us to go into the Word of God and see if maybe God has a different plan. Maybe if God is doing something differently than what we can see and what we can understand. Maybe God is up to something that is far greater than anything we could have thought. How many times have you played out a scenario in your mind and thought, okay, now, when God does this and when God does this, this is going to be great because God's going to do this and then it's going to be wonderful and we're all going to be moving in this direction and God is going to do these great things in our hearts and it's going to change people's lives and whatever. And we go on and on and on and we're very idealistic in some of the things we think about. Maybe it's just in your career, in your job, you think a certain way that God's going to do this and God's going to take care of that and it's going to be really great. Maybe it's in your love life, in your family. God's going to lead me to this person and when they realize that I'm the person for them, It's going to be great, and we're going to, you know. We we do all of this stuff, and the problem with with that is that when it doesn't pan out, you know, when it doesn't happen that way, then we're like, what went wrong? As if maybe our plan was what was wrong, or our perceptions were what was wrong, or our misconceived notions and ideas about the way God would do things could be wrong. And so here are these men, and it didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. This, this Messiah, this, this Savior, this Redeemer, this lifter of the oppression died on a cross, accused of awful things, horrendously tortured and persecuted. It just didn't happen the way it was supposed to. And Sometimes that's true in our lives. And I'm telling you that when you find yourself in that place, You've got to go back to the Word of God. There's there's no other place for you to go. All right? You've got to go back to the truth of what God's Word is and hold on to that truth of what God says about God and what God says about His Son. Hold on to those principles. When things are not going right, they're not going the way you planned them to go, they're not going the way you intended, or you are feeling some kind of despair, or you are feeling some kind of hurt, You need to go back to the Word and stay in the Word so that the Word is informing your thought process. The Word is informing your decision-making. The the Word is informing your relationship and and our, our relationships if it involves more than one person. Another reason that they maybe didn't see clearly is that maybe they didn't have a lot of faith. I mean, they had heard the reports of the women who went to the tomb. They had seen the empty tomb for themselves, it appears. um, Yet, for some reason, they seemed to not have believed. The supernatural, the work of God to raise Jesus from the dead, at this point in time, was outside of their paradigm. By that, I mean it was outside of their box. how How they lived, how they related, how they thought, how everything was set. And we as Christians love our boxes. We love getting it all safe. We love getting it all explainable. We love getting it all predictable. And we love getting it in such a way that there are some guarantees for us. And, and folks, it just doesn't seem to work that way with God. And so this idea of Jesus being raised from the dead For some of them, it was outside the box. It was outside of their way of thinking. And if that were the case, then the reality is they never fully got it. They never fully surrendered to Jesus' plan. They never really seriously considered who Jesus was. And see, so Jesus has to come back behind these men and he has to begin to lay it out. From early in the Old Testament, and show them who He is and what He was called to do and what He came to do, and that He had done it. We need to be careful that we don't make the same mistake that these men did, that we discount what God has done simply because we cannot explain the situation or we cannot understand the situation. God often uses natural things to accomplish His will. But he also does things that we can neither explain nor understand, and that is a place of faith. We, we have to walk by faith. The, these two disciples knew something had happened, but it was beyond their level of faith to see things as they truly were. And so they had to have revelation. And so Jesus comes, and, and, and in that place, Jesus, I believe, brings to them Understanding and teaching. He, he takes the Old Testament Scriptures and parses them out for them. But at the same time, I think faith is arising in these men. They're starting to get it. They're starting to see it. And, and you and I need to be people who are willing to say, you know what, I am... I am mere human, and in that sense, I am limited. Therefore, I will not always see. I will not always understand. I don't always get it. As, as bright as I might be, as much as I might understand a lot of things, there are some things that I do not understand, and especially in the kingdom of God and within God Himself and how He does things and His ways with mankind. And so I need to be a person of faith. I need to learn to walk, not by sight. They saw Him die but by truth. But the Scripture said He would rise again. And so we live out of that truth and not out of that circumstance that we are seeing or perceiving. Just because they knew about Jesus doesn't mean that they knew Him. Not the way they needed to know Him. Not the way they should know Him. Just because they could see Him doesn't mean that they could see who He was and that they would understand who he was, and, and I think this is a danger for many of us in the church today. <coughs> we know who Jesus is. We've been told who Jesus is. We've learned who Jesus is. We've, we've read the right materials. We've read the right books. Uh, we, we, we watched the wrong movie. Um, I mean, we, we have all of this information, all right? We've heard about him. We've read about him. We've used his name. We've even claimed to know him. But would we recognize him if we really saw him? And sometimes I think we see him in the work that is being done amongst us and in our midst, but we don't recognize him in that work. And so we don't recognize the work that is being done. and We don't attribute it to the Lord and to the, to the, the Holy Spirit because we have some other perception or we have some other information, if you will. And I want to challenge you that knowing about him and and knowing him are two different things. And you and I need to know him. And the Bible says that after Jesus laid these truths out, these foundational truths out for them, and he broke bread with them, it says they saw him and they recognized him. They recognized him. They knew who he was. And that's the second point I want to point out here is that Jesus opens our eyes to see when we can't see. And this is where I hope you and I will begin to develop our life in Christ, all right? Verse 27, it says that beginning with Moses and from all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself in the scriptures, all right? while we do not know the specific passages that Jesus used, we know that he opened the scriptures to them. In other words, he, he took them along with the scriptures. He began to teach them, and he, and he taught them with a view towards showing them how that all of the Old Testament pointed to him and its fulfillment in him. And so he's laying all of this out. Maybe he began in Genesis, Genesis three fifteen where God curses the serpent and he says, I'll put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed." and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Maybe they start there in the fall. I don't, I don't know. But, but from there, maybe, maybe he takes them into Deuteronomy, like chapter 18, where it says, The Lord your God will raise you up, a prophet like me, from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Maybe from there he goes to Isaiah 7 where it says the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and a son will be born and his name is Emmanuel. From there Jesus could have taken them to Isaiah 53 where it says he was despised, rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew sickness. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised. We didn't esteem him or we didn't value him. Perhaps he went a little further in Isaiah 53, 7, saying he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Maybe he went on even further into like Zechariah chapter 12. I'll pour out my spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced, They will mourn for Him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for Him as one weeps for a firstborn. What we do know is that Jesus walked them through many scriptures and He he took them through the, really I think the entirety of the revelation, if you will, to show how it, it all gave witness to who He was, why He had come, why it was necessary. Jesus wanted them to see He wanted them to see that if they would only believe what the Scriptures say about him, they would understand better why he came and even why he had to suffer. And there they would have known truly who he was. See, we have to understand, you and I, that Scripture gives testimony of who Jesus is all the way through from start to finish. And he uses it today just like he used it in the day of Cleopas. He uses it to open the eyes of those who do not know him. This is why Life Church is a gospel centered church. This is why we are Jesus centered. It is all about Jesus. You only have your eyes open. The blind can only see through the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only by truth that we are set free. And so, Jesus can speak back into that. I mean, we can speak back into that. We can can talk about Luke 16. It says, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone is raised from the dead. John 1, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. John chapter 5. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. (laughs) See, everything from Moses to this moment of the resurrection speaks to and points to Jesus, the resurrected one. And everything beyond that speaks back to this Jesus, the resurrected one. And so everything we have is to enlighten us and to open our eyes to see that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Here's what I want you to get today. Outside of knowledge of Scripture, you will never have a proper understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, don't live in the midst of the multitude and never know the truth. This may not be as dramatic as some of the other encounters, but the message is more dramatic in the sense that what it it holds for us, you've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to know what the Word says. You, You can't build your faith on grandma's theology. Love grandmas, but they can screw theology up bad we we need to live in the truth of what Jesus says about himself and what the word says about him God God prevented these two disciples from recognizing Jesus to convey a very deep truth and here's the danger even if we are to see we might still not believe we have to trust. This is where faith comes into play. We have to trust the testimony of the Scriptures. And they opened these men up. Jesus tells us from the Word. Jesus tells us that, that we must have biblical truth to understand who He is. Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Outside the Word of God, there is no reliable witness to who Jesus really is. You you can't just take somebody's Word. They have to know the Scriptures. They have to know Jesus. And before you and I can be sent out, we need to be equipped. We need to be men and women who are strong and solid in the Word of God. I don't think it's without significance here that it's around the supper table that the disciples' eyes and hearts are open and they see Jesus for who he really is. After the resurrection, several of the appearances that, that Jesus made and that he's, the, the stories are told in the Scriptures, they're, they're really about times of fellowship around a table. You you see it here in Luke. You see it in Acts. You see it in John. The intimacy of fellowship with Jesus is the way that he reveals himself to us. And I say that because I feel there's still some of us here today even who would say, no, I I just need to get more knowledge. I just need to learn more. I just need to read another book. I would like to ask you to do something over the rest of the summer I just committed myself to, to reading more or reading more books. And, um, and I, I, it, it, I was a little bit unsettled about that commitment to the Lord. I, I need to read more. I want to be uh, better read. Um, and then it was like, I know what I've got to do. I've got to match my reading in books because I've done this in the past and I've encouraged other people to do it as well. I've got to match my reading in books with time in the word. So ever how many pages you're reading in a book, read that many pages of scripture. Match it. All right? Make sure that you that you keep scripture up there. All right? Because scripture needs to inform, verify, validate, confirm whatever all the other reading that we are doing. And you say, "Well, yeah, I'm just reading for fun, though. I'm just reading for pleasure." Well, pleasure can turn into temptation, and temptation can turn into sin. I don't, it's fine that you read for pleasure. You know, maybe you're just thinking about a beach somewhere, you know, for for a week now and packing all of my stuff for, for Rio, for Brazil. I've been thinking about a beach because I'm going to be on one. It's in my head. All right. But I need the scriptures to inform that time on the beach. I, I had one fellow, he said, I started listening to country music. He says, I really wasn't a country music fan, but I started listening to country music. And I started to like some of the things I started to hear. But then I started to think about some of those things I started to hear. And I began to think about what my life would be like if I didn't have this and I didn't have that and I did have this and I did have that. And he goes, I'm like, oh my goodness. And he had to to come back to Scripture. And Scripture blew his country music station away. You and I need to be, our lives must be informed by the truth and by Scripture because that is where Jesus reveals Himself. All right, that's where Jesus reveals Himself. As soon as they recognized Him, He disappeared. Your fellowship today is not going to depend on your ability to see Him alone. It is going to depend on On you taking him at his word. You and I must fellowship around truth and around the scripture. I believe that we will see God move. I believe that we will see wonderful things happen in life church going forward. But the deeper fellowship, the deeper tie that we have as the body of Christ is around truth, it is around the word of God. That's what unites us, that's what ties us together. The last thing I want to say to you here is that when that happens, notice their response. They're standing there, and they're they're looking at each other, and he has disappeared. And they, they say to each other, wow, did our hearts not burn while he was opening the word to us? When's the last time you opened the word and started to read, and it gripped you? It got a hold of your heart In such a way that you felt the the heat of the Spirit. You felt the passion of the Lord over you. God's intent is that you and I are constantly opening the Word and that it is active and alive. It is that two edged sword. It it, it moves us, it shapes us, It, it informs us, if you will. All right? We burned inside when He talked to us. And then they said, Let's go. Let's go back to Jerusalem. Let's go tell it. we got to go tell somebody. I visited with a lady in the hospital when I was a chaplain there. They called me in, and they said, she has sickle cell anemia. She's dying. She's, she's not very coherent. The family's just in disarray. They're, they're just so upset. Can you come? I said, sure, I'll, I'll come right in. I Drove into the hospital. I had a pager, and uh, I was home. I drove into the hospital, went right up. I visited this family once before, so I knew where they were. I, I walked in, and this this woman, uh, a middle aged black woman, just was just in in just throwing herself around a bit in the bed, and and she was was saying something, and it seemed garbled, uh, but it almost seemed as though she was singing, you know, and and so. I, they said, what, what, what do we do? She's, she's, she's dying, and they're in tears and all of that. And um, I said, well, let's, let's pray. And I, I took her hand, and I held her hand in, in my hand, and uh, I called her by her name, and I said, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Um, and one of the sisters, uh, one of her sisters said, "Do um, you think she hears you? And I go, I don't know, but but I'm not going to risk her not hearing me, and I'm going to tell her what I'm doing here, and we're going we're to pray together. So if, if you are comfortable getting in close here, I know she's moving around a bit, let's just pray. And we prayed for her, and, and as we were praying, she did sort of settle down for a minute, but, I mean, she was still moving about. Then I realized uh, she was singing. She was singing. She had been singing, and the movement wasn't, thrashing about the movement was rhythm she was laying in bed and she was singing and suddenly it got clear as I got closer to her it got clear and all of a sudden she just bellowed out I gotta tell somebody she was just singing an old spiritual song but it was in her in her dying breath there was this sense There's something in me, and it can't stay in me. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to say something. Are we like this? (laughs) When God moves on us and when revelation comes to us, Are we so compelled? Are we on mission? Do we have this sense to respond to God in such a way as we go and tell someone? And you've been given this truth, you and I, all of us, that Jesus is alive. Go tell somebody. Don't hold back. Don't let circumstances that have confused you about God. Don't don't let situations that have disappointed you, don't don't let doubt, fear, unbelief, all those things creep in. You get into the Word of God, and as the Word of God comes alive inside of you and quickens you in your spirit, you need to go tell somebody. You need to go and talk to somebody. Share with them about Jesus. And here's, here's what I find for myself personally. When I am in a place of Discontent. when I'm in a, in a place of frustration, when I'm in a place of anger and disappointment, when I'm in a place of confusion, whatever, when I get myself shifted, when I move my eyes off of those circumstances and those situations, and I put my eyes on Jesus and begin to see Jesus and get into the Word and see who Jesus is in the Word and renew my faith in that Jesus, it shifts me. It moves me. It changes me. And what I find when that happens is that's when I want to talk to someone else. And I want to share this Jesus with them. And I think way too much of our time is spent, folks. We're in the darkest hour. We're in that that moment before the revelation of Jesus Christ comes to us. We're on our Emmaus road. We're talking about it all. And we don't have answers and it doesn't make sense to us but we need to be moved by more than emotion we need to be moved by truth and so I'd ask you this morning do you know this Jesus do you know who this Jesus is or do you just know about him and we're going to give you the opportunity to know him today to really know him And if if that's the life you've been living where circumstances and events and situations have controlled you and your understanding of who God is, then get into the truth and let the truth set you free. Let the truth lead you out that you may truly know him. Jeannie, come and share the gospel with us, please.
2: This life we live has many roads. Some are good roads, and some are roads that we struggle to walk. But God sent Jesus to walk these roads with us. He sent him to be born of a virgin and to live among the people And in that time that he lived with them, he walked many roads with them. He probably walked the road to Emmaus many times, teaching. But then the road he was on led to a cross where he was beaten, where he was punished for our sin, for something he never even did, but yet he took that road because he knew that road would bring us to a place of victory over death. And he died on that cross for each of us and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures, just like Bill was sharing, according to the scriptures, all the way back through the Old Testament. But he didn't just stay there. He didn't just stay dead. And I love that he didn't immediately ascend to heaven. He walked the roads again with his apostles, with many people to, so that he could witness to them, so that he could show them that death didn't hold him in the grave and that death doesn't have to hold us. And I don't know what road you're walking today. I know I'm on some roads that are rather rocky right now, but I am so thankful that Jesus is right there with me and he won't leave me there. So, whatever road you're on today, there's a place where you can meet Jesus, where he can truly open your eyes and burn in your heart. And if you don't know Jesus like that, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up, and please come and allow them to walk that path with you. And even if you have created and formed that relationship, but you're not quite where you should be, please come and get prayer. Or if you need healing, if you're struggling with something in your life, we are here for you. We are here for you. But more important, God is here for you. So I'd just like to uh, close in prayer and when I'm finished you're free to leave quietly but please do come for prayer. Glorious Father we do praise you and thank you because you are the wondrous God who sacrificed for us your only son to come and to make a way and to walk that road with us to cause us to want more than what this world has to offer. Because without you, this world is empty. Our lives are empty. Consume us, Holy Spirit, with that burning in our hearts to want to know Jesus to a deeper level, to want to come to that place where the things of this world pass away. And you, you, Lord God, are all that matters to us. Help us, Father, in our struggles to know and to recognize that you are there with us, that you are holding our hands through every event in our lives, whether good, whether bad, whether it's a struggle, whether it's something we need to overcome. You are the God who never leaves us or never forsakes us. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, that through your Son, Jesus, you have made a way for us to have eternal life, And through the Holy Spirit, we carry that power within us that burns and causes us to want to share this love, share this word with all those that we encounter. Just as you, Lord Jesus, had that great and glorious encounter on the road to Emmaus, let us so encounter you as we go forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.